episode 52 of the Sports On Point podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, joined on the line, as always, by the phenom, Mr. Bob Williams. I'm getting a Wii U. Are you? I'm getting a U Wii. Are we? And of course, the guy pressing the buttons, Mr. Pod Severance. That's funny. Your voice went Pod Severance, which was kind of cool. But I'm getting to Wii later on, too. After the podcast is done recording. You're not getting to wee on you? I don't want to wee on you. No, I'm not into the golden shower thing. Fair enough. Yeah. Without much further ado, let's recap this past week in sports. The Sports on Point Weekly Rewind. A week in review with Matt Smith and Bob Williams. Let's back it up. Starting off with Thursday, Los Angeles Lakers say they will retire Shaquille O'Neal's number 34 jersey. What do we think, Bob? Uh, it makes sense. You know, he, he definitely, uh, I would say, spent the prime of his career in the Lake, uh, L.A. area, and he won them multiple rings. So I, I, I would say Kobe will probably get that selection, too. So I, I good for him. Uh, as long as he's not complaining about statues when he gets older, we'll be fine. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a good move. Lakers definitely uh, got a good run out of O'Neal, three championships, and... Uh, a lot of uh, good, good YouTubeable moments, so uh, that's something that can never be underestimated. Retiring his jersey definitely a good move. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about with the Lakers is if they continue to retire the jersey number of every single player that deserves it within their organization, they, they might end up with a shortage of numbers for incoming players to use. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, some sort of rule to uh, fix that. It'll be known as the Laker rule. Throw off three-digit jerseys or something? Yep. Or letters. On Friday, Donnie Walsh leaving position as New York Knicks president. Well, the countdown has begun in greater New York on the return of Isaiah Thomas. I know it's what every New York Knicks fan has been waiting for all these years, to return to the gory days. Not glory, gory days of when uh, Isaiah Thomas was running this team. Of course, you know, he had such an amazing hand in the acquisition of Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire that they'd be stupid not to bring him back, right? Wait, wait, wait. He didn't have his hand in those. He had his hands in the lovely uh, bringing in of Eddie Curry and Jared Jeffries. Some oh, of, yeah. Yeah, not, not, not the same guy. Uh, I don't understand this Isaiah Thomas love affair that it, it seems to be that the Dolans have up there. It's New York. They'll do what they want. On Saturday, Johnny Bench puts onus on Buster Posey's positioning. Bob. If anybody's going to comment on this, I, I like to hear it from Johnny Bench. You know, he's a guy who's played the position, a Hall of Famer. And from all the reports I've, other reports I've been hearing, it, it Buster Posey sort of left him out, left himself out in front of the plate. So it, it's sort of his fault i can't blame this this cousins guy just because he's he's a you know a rookie he's gonna try everything he can do uh, just one of those unfortunate things about being a catcher yeah this is just uh this is just an unfortunate thing and and you know i think when you talk about john bench he was on the roster of the um, national league all-star team when uh pete rose did the infamous chest dive into uh uh, the catcher in the All-Star game and essentially didn't end his career, but uh, brought it to a definitely slow pace after that point in time. 
but uh, you know he's witnessed some pretty brutal injuries and these types of things and you know he played in the major leagues for quite a considerably long time set a lot of records as a catcher at the time and if his if he says the positioning is wrong who the heck am I to argue with that on Sunday ex-NFL player Plaxico Burris expected to leave prison from CNN.com Matt Yep, Plexico Burris is now officially a free man, thanks to the uh, New York State Correctional Department, or whatever they call themselves. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see if, you know, there is in fact an NFL season this year. I think that Plexico Burris is a name that draws some attention. Um, I think he's got a similar, uh, I, I'd say a similar T.O., kind of a concern when you're looking at a player who's coming in who's got an incredible amount of talent uh, yeah he's a player that you have to consider whether or not his effect on the field is going to be worth the effect that he's going to have in the locker room the other thing I think will be interesting is if we do not in fact have an NFL season this year it'll be interesting to see if there is a whole lot of interest next year if at that point in time he's what three years out of playing football um, yeah, it, it, this is just one of those stories. Yeah, he was a solid receiver when he was playing, but is any GM really going to sit there and take a risk it with this guy at this point in his career? We've seen it before with the Randy Moss situation where I won't put him in the same level, but someone will, whether it be like an Oakland or, or a Miami team, someone who needs a receiving threat. So that's like like Matt was saying, even if if the season does not start this year, there's no way he comes back next year. Three years after playing, that that's really rough. On Monday, NBA Finals, LeBron James can't win, even after a win. Well, in the big world of LeBron James, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses. He's the villain, yet he's also the king. Uh, <laughs> the actual notification or notoriety that he he supposedly wants of being the greatest of all time he's gonna have to show up in big games and kind of just take you know be quiet and just kind of go with the flow at this point and, and that's tough for him because we've seen him in, in the past as this me first type of person yeah i mean it's 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 got to be rough when you are one of the best players in the league and you're just a couple games away from winning a championship and all you get is criticism, but you know, to be honest with you, it's 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 an attitude that he has played into with his actions um, more than anything else. So it's hard to feel bad for him, especially when you know he's he's put himself in a situation where he says he's going to protect his legacy and improve his brand, but instead he is more or less shrinking away in the big games. Um, you know that's. Uh, Topic we'll talk about a little bit more later on in the podcast. On Tuesday, Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback Terrell Pryor made up to $40,000 signing memorabilia. Matt? Yeah, this is, uh, this is news that came out during an ESPN uh, Outside the Lines documentary. And I don't know, the number of 40000 it's hard to estimate those types of numbers, especially when you read the story and you see what the account is coming from. But, uh, you know, some of the things he went on to say that, you know, he probably received thousands of dollars worth of comped food and drinks at different restaurants and bars. And I'm I'm, I'm just struggling to find a reason to believe that that's not happening just about everywhere. 
Sure. Yeah. Forty thousand dollars for signing memorabilia. That's a big number and and definitely deserves some looking into. But again, I just I, I think that I think that if you went to a lot of different places, maybe even the Lincoln, Nebraska, little hole in the wall town in the middle of the United States, you'd see these kind of things. Yes, yeah, part of the NCAA culture, unfortunately. Um, and uh, honestly, it's the guy who did this uh, was a photographer who actually has sold his photos for uh, Sports Illustrated and ESPN and was uh, kicked out by the uh, Ohio State uh, midseason last year. So there was some shady stuff going on. 40000 that's kind of kind of tough. Uh, I I think the funniest thing that, that it out of all this is that, again, there are sources and, a, a, I don't know, a, a beleaguered source in that sense that it's, it's Antonio Hinton, who used to play for Ohio State. His brother, roommate, was a roommate of Terrell Pryor's for a semester, a year. So I, I don't know if the number meets, I don't know, that number just for me doesn't make sense. But like you were saying, it's the culture of the NCAA. These people, uh, these kids are put in these situations, and yeah, who wouldn't want to do that and, and get some extra cash? So I, I think this is something the NCAA needs to look at. Not Yeah, it's the fault of the guy, the kids, but it's also the fault of this photographer, Talbot, or whatever his name is, because there's people all throughout this industry, and industry, I mean the memorabilia industry, that this is just shady. You're making money off of someone else, get, you know, do your normal day job. Don't don't try to screw over, dick over kids. In closing the week off on Wednesday, MLB Draft 2011, Texas Rangers picked Jonathan Taylor of Georgia Bulldogs. Bob? Well, he wasn't the number one overall pick, so why is he on here? Oh, wait, that's right. Jonathan Taylor earlier this year while playing a game at Georgia, had a freak on-the-field uh, collision with another player, and he's paralyzed. That's your point right there. They drafted a, a really good guy who had a freak injury. You know, he's, he. this is something you need to see in sports in general. You know, this is a very good counterpoint to the whole Terrell Pryor story. Yeah, really cool story. Uh, the Rangers with the, I believe it was the 37th overall pick, um, they picked Zach Cohn, who was uh, Jonathan Taylor's teammate for Georgia, and the person who he actually collided with in the freak accident that caused the, uh, that caused the uh, paralysis, caused him to be paralyzed. Um, really cool story because good friends, you know, a bad situation led to one of the guys' dream as being a dream of being a major league baseball player ending. And the Texas Rangers come out and they make a big bold step to say that you know we are an organization that is about family and about doing the right thing. And they they re- let this kid realize his lifetime dream of being drafted into the ma- into major league baseball. It's a really cool story. Now to our to the point section. This is a section where we cover the main topics in sports for the past week, and we have an open discussion. So let's get started. What happened this past week that is worthy of our talkage? Well, as we all know, and we talked a little bit about earlier in the podcast, we've got um, we've got an NBA final situation where uh, we're looking at a player who Scotty Pippen said, uh, you know, not two weeks ago, 
was probably the best player of all time in the NBA. You know, of course, Scottie Pippen playing alongside Michael Jordan for all those years, winning all those championships together with the player who most, I think, would consider the greatest NBA player of all time. Um, make some comments, some pretty strong comments about LeBron James's ability as a player, but yet we're tuning into now four games of NBA Finals where LeBron James has uh, essentially shied away from the big moments. He's allowed uh, he's allowed the fourth quarter to be controlled by other players, uh, Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki. Um, he's, he's really kind of disappeared from the limelight. Not too dissimilar from what Cleveland fans remember from seeing a year ago in Boston, a LeBron James that has just kind of shied away from the big moment. In this particular case, he's got other big names that are, uh, you know, helping to pick up the load and carry him to the finish line. Whereas in Cleveland, that might not have been the case. Um, what do you make of this? Uh, what do you make of this year's finals as far as how LeBron's playing? Is he is he establishing anything? Is he making his brand any better, or is he shrinking off, shrinking into the distance and proving that he's a hit or miss clutch player? Uh, it, it's funny that we're talking about the Scottie Pippen comment about being the greatest of all time when he technically might not be the best player on his own team. That is in with Dwayne Wade. Uh, the way Wade's been playing, he, he's definitely the go-to guy for Miami. And LeBron said that he never had to carry the team here in Miami. But at this point, this team is built around this this trio. You have Wade. You have even Bosh living up to their hype, or or, or at least playing well. LeBron is, I don't know, he, like, I, I, on ESPN they talked about him having the Game 5. You know, us as Clevelanders know that, where he completely played an entirely different style of, of basketball than he played the previous seven years. Well, you're starting to see that creep up more and more. They're saying this might be the next Game game 4 in, in, in his great legacy, where he's shying away from contact. He, he's just, you know kind of playing out of the game so the humorous question is is uh what's causing this uh friction is delante west still there with gloria i don't i i don't know this is this is just strange a a dirk Nowitzki who had flu-like symptoms played way better than lebron yeah and 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 specifically when you talk about a fourth quarter where Nowitzki, but you know, let's not pretend that this is the 1998 NBA Finals and you've got Michael Jordan dropping 38 points with a fever of 103. This isn't what this is. We had a 101 degree temperature. Dirk Nowitzki played an okay, if not subpar game for three quarters. But what matters is when the fourth quarter rolled around, he was the guy, he was the man for the team. He put him on his shoulders, let him do a game four victory. The ironic part to me about this is the guy on the other side of the court who's watching all of this happen, LeBron James, in a post-game interview after Game 3, was asked by CBSSports.com's Greg Doyle um, what uh, what he had to say about the fact that he appears to be shrinking away. Of course, Game 3, a game that the Miami Heat won, you know, LeBron James uh, gave the re- comment, which uh, he's been given a lot of credit online in his retort to Greg Doyle that, uh, you know, he... he, he owned him or you know schooled him basically made a comment saying hey if you're not watching the game you might not have realized that i'm shutting down their best players in the fourth quarter this that and the other it's that's a complete 
cop-out by LeBron James. And if you think it's anything other than that, then you don't know how the game of basketball works. The game of basketball is a game that's carried by its superstars. So LeBron James, you cannot be in the biggest series of your entire career thus far and shy away from taking shots because you're just overexerting yourself on the defensive end. Come on, this is this is the NBA Finals. Yeah, exactly. Come on. This is the same guy who had, uh, I don't know, defensive stalwarts as Eric Snow, uh, Larry Hughes. Okay, yeah, those are average defenders. He was always supposed to guard the better player. Like, I I, I don't know where that that comment or the retort is. He's an all-NBA defensive player. That, that has never stopped him in the past from being an offensive-style player. There has to be something, whether it be Spolstra, whether it be something they designed in the offense that, that he's not vibing with. I, maybe maybe he, he's not liking this second fiddle, and he's just decided to take himself out of the game. Uh, th- that's going to be tough for Heat fans if, if that is the case or, or if his play continues to go down this road. Because if not, I could see the Mavs winning this series. They need LeBron James to play like LeBron James can before this series. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the even more shocking part I think about it is, like I said, this this little debate with Greg Doyle was after game three. Game four, he comes out and scores eight points. I think like the first time in like 300 games or something in a row where he didn't score at least double-digit points. It's just, it's mind-boggling. And, you know, there are a lot of folks who throw out the argument that the Miami Heat, they were a playoff opponent for 82 games for every team they played against throughout the regular season. And most teams in the NBA didn't have to deal with that kind of pressure. Okay, yeah, I get it. I understand that. Were the 96 Bulls any different? Were the 97 Bulls any different? Were the 98 Bulls any different? I submit that they were not. So this, this whole this whole aspect of, yeah, okay, we're 99 games into the NBA season for LeBron James and the Miami Heat. You're 99 games in. I got it. I get it. I understand. The greatest of all times, they don't back away in that situation. Maybe he's exactly fatigued. We're seeing. And it, it, it was kind of funny because the general population, oh boy, I'm sorry, when you... When you've got Allen Iverson carrying a team single-handedly to the NBA Finals at six foot nothing and a hundred nothing, and then you've got LeBron James at six foot eight with the the physical specimen that he is, and and he can't do the same thing, there's there's no excuse for it. Now, don't get me wrong, LeBron James is a better all-around player than Allen Iverson ever was. Allen Iverson was a better scorer than LeBron James currently is. I won't say ever because I think LeBron definitely has that potential to be the scorer that that uh, Allen Iverson was in his prime. But they're different players, but that doesn't change the fact that when the big big games come, if you are the greatest of all time, you put the team on your back and you prove it. Yeah, again, there's some sort of unknown variable in there in the fact that I don't, I don't think he thinks this is his team, so he's not going to step up and take that challenge and take over the games like like he can. Like I, I, I really honestly believe that he's deferring to Dwayne Wade. So if, if anything does happen, it's not technically his fault. Uh, it's just it's just one of those strange things. I, I was at Game Five last year. You know, it was an anomaly, and and maybe the this anomaly 
makes more sense now after the fact that he again is shying away. This is why he went to, to Miami to play with other great players or other better players. So so maybe he's maybe that's his thinking. Maybe maybe he he's shying away like or, or shrinking. Like maybe that's what he believes in his heart or, or in his mind. Like that's that's as good as he's gonna be. Is is gonna be someone else's second hand, you know, second person. I I don't know. This is. This is just a very strange performance. The only the only defense that I will make in LeBron James' case in this one is the fact that we are talking about a teammate who in 2006 was the most dominant player in an NBA Finals series that we have seen at the guard position other than Michael Jordan. In in I, I believe I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe you're talking about a guard who in the NBA Finals put a team on his back, averaged 37 or 38 points a game, almost uh, almost 10 assists. I think he was like eight point something assists, several rebounds a game. We're talking about a player who has done this before, and maybe that's what LeBron James is deferring to in this particular case, a guy who has the experience and has done this before. But at the same time, how do you get the experience? You get it by going out there and doing it and using your God-given talents. Now, on the subject of extremely gifted but troubled, talented players, um, news coming out of Columbus, again, as always this week, uh, surrounding Terrell Pryor. He is now officially withdrawn from the Ohio State Buckeye football team with intentions of going on and joining either the supplemental draft of the NFL, if it happens, or by uh, uh, you know seeking some uh, gainful employment from some Canadian football team, so it's it's uh, it's one domino falling after the other for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Terrell Pryor, the uh, the big name quarterback that Ohio State got three years ago, four years ago from uh, Jeanette, Pennsylvania, oh. is is now making his way to the pro game because. Despite his vow to Coach Tressel to return for his senior season, um, well, I guess Tressel's gone, so the vow doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, what do you think about uh, what do you think about Terrell Pryor? Is this is this a rat abandoning the ship? Is this a smart move? Um, I don't know. It's a it's a move announced by a lawyer that he has privately employed. Um, what kind of college kid at 19 or 20 years old has their own privately employed lawyer uh what, what's your feelings on on the Terrell Pryor going pro angle uh, I'm just gonna stop you there it's it's kind of funny because that same said lawyer uh actually also represents the athletic director Gene Smith hmm so <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you think whatever you want on that for right now but for him, he's not going to play the first five games of this the season. He made a promise to a coach that isn't there, so I don't blame him for 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 jumping ship. Uh, it, it makes sense for him. Plus, he doesn't really have to answer anything to the NCAA, a la Reggie Bush. Uh, so, whether he actually gets into the NFL via the supplemental draft or if he goes up to the uh, country up north and plays some. Something I think they call football. Uh, good, good for him, I guess. Um, I, I think it's good for the the program down at Ohio State, just in general. Uh, whoever they start at quarterback, whether it be uh, well, hopefully it's Braxton Miller in in, in this sense. 
but hopefully whoever they do turn the team over to they know that it's it's their team for the year not just oh hey survive for five games and then we'll give it back to prior um so I, i think that's good i think it's good for fickle uh I would like to see more. I would like to see Gene Smith gone. Uh, I would like to see some people in the compliance office gone. Right now, we, we've come to the conclusion that there's some stuff going on that there shouldn't be in Columbus. Whether it's happening in other places, that's not the point. It's the fact that it's been caught here. you know. Uh, so something needs to change. And we know the NCAA isn't going to change their rules or, or their their punishments or anything like that so at this point you in order maybe for some even leniency just just to kind of scrap what they have and 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 go from there but that's going to come down to the uh, board at ohio state and kind of like how they they did get rid of trestle maybe maybe gene smith is the next person to go yeah i think it's kind of interesting if you take a look at what happened at the university of tennessee um, they had some similar situations to what's going on at Ohio State. It revolved around their basketball program, and obviously I don't think it takes a genius to figure out that the national profile of the Tennessee basketball program is not exactly the same thing as the national pro- profile of the Ohio State basketball program, or Ohio State football program. But when you look at what happened with Coach Pearl and you look at what happened with Jim Tressel, Okay, the violations are different. In Coach Pearl's case, it was a situation where the coach was doing something against NCAA rules. And in the Jim Trestle situation, he was specifically, or he was not directly breaking the rules himself. He was just failing to report that the rules had been broken. So slight difference there, but either way, it's, it's, it's some, some malfeasance on, on both of these coaches' behalf. And... It's really similar as a timeline if you look at it. Okay, the news broke. There were some press conferences. uh, There were some denials. There were some decisions made by some athletic directors to stick with the coach. A couple more news stories broke out. Things got a little bit worse. Coaches are gone. Okay, step number one. Then um, we we go into a situation where we have – in the case of Tennessee, the athletic director was called for his head across the media in Knoxville, and everyone wanted him gone. Same situation we're seeing in Columbus right now. Now, this past week, the Tennessee's athletic director did step down. So I think, uh, I think if Ohio State is smart, they're going to look at what happened in Tennessee, and I don't think they're going to wait the months that it took Tennessee to get that, uh, to get that move through. And I think uh, – I think I think Gene Smith has has got to step down. He's really got to step aside just to kind of, well, first of all, to complete the mirror image that we have with the Tennessee uh, metaphor here. But, um, you know, second of all, he's got to step aside because at this point in time, you have an integrity issue with the entire athletic department at Ohio State. Sure. Okay, I understand the fact that these violations did not span into other sports. This is a football-only issue as far as anything is being reported. And, uh, you know, considering... There's, there's basketball players for Ohio State who are blogging about the cars that football players are driving. Somehow I don't think that their you know, top 25 perennial basketball team is enjoying the same kind of benefit. So I think it's probably fair to say this is limited to one sport. But at the same time, that sport is what funds this entire athletic department. When you talk about the money that comes into the University of Ohio State, it's all coming in through the football program. So 
as an athletic director, you have to put that priority on that football program, not only as being what you're giving the national attention to, what you're putting out there as the product, but at the same time, you have to put, give the same attention into making sure that that product that you're putting out there is a pure product, that it's not violating any rules, and that you're not setting yourself up for a national embarrassment that The Ohio State University has set itself up for in this case. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough situation for a fan to be in, but at, at this point, with the fact that Tressel was gone, uh, you know, move on. Let's get Fickle. See what he can do. We see that Pryor's now gone. Let's see what the next quarterback can do. Gene Smith, he was here previously. Uh, Andy Geiger had some issues. They brought Gene Smith back. I think his, you know, his tenure should be done here. So may, may, it, it seems like the progression of the, the Ohio State program and the brand is is in order to survive, they need to cut the ties. Uh, and, and as a fan, I would like to see it. I, I I'm ready to move on with all of this stuff. I, I'm I'm still waiting for the NCAA's, you know, August comments. Their their actual um, punishment for for what happened. But it seems like the, the piling on just, it, <laughs> we are the proverbial ball going down the hill and, you know, taking out whatever else is in the, in the path. So as a fan, let's move on. Let's, you know, the sooner the better. Give us our punishments. Let's see what we can work from there. USC had it happen to them. The, the parallels seem kind of similar in, in that that's the type of punishment we're probably going to get whether it be the same or not but give us give us you know the the scholarship reductions give us the postseason ban just decide and let us move on and try to learn from this mistake yeah i think you hit the nail on the head earlier i think a big part of the reason that the decision came out when it did is because of the detailed information that was coming out in the outside line story and uh, the fact that going pro foregoing his senior year basically taking himself out of the NCAA organization therefore removes any requirement that he has to cooperate with any investigation into these matters. Um, last I heard, uh, he, uh, the, the, uh, let me see, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have apparently acquired uh, exclusive negotiating rights from the Canadian Football League to negotiate with Terrell Pryor. Interestingly enough, the Rough Riders' current starting quarterback a gentleman who has also done wrong by Ohio State standards, Mr. Chris Leak, the quarterback of the 2007 National Championship, Florida Gators. Do, 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 do. Mm. So, okay, we, we, we've talked a lot, obviously, about the NBA Finals. We've talked a lot about Ohio State. Um, there's, this little, there's this little hockey championship that's going on. And I don't think it's any big deal because, uh, you know, it's, it's Northeastern Ohio. And we don't have a hockey team, so we don't really care. But um, I care you monsters. Hey, I love the monsters. Hey, no, no, you're right. Hey, that's that's good quality. That's good quality entertainment, and and the best value in a sports ticket you could find around. So I don't mean to knock the Lake Erie Monsters. I apologize if anyone was offended. Um, but uh, we're we're talking about the NHL here. Let's face it. Just because the Akron Arrows have a baseball team that doesn't necessarily mean that we care about triple a baseball so double a it's a uh it's double a well no i'm saying a league other than who they play in which would be the similar comparison to 
But technically, no, that would be the minor, minor league. So the, the parallels aren't quite the same, but I understand what you're going for. You know what I'm going for. Just I'm just razzing you. <laughs> okay, so so there was this hit. Okay, there was, uh, there was a player for the Vancouver Canucks by the name of Aaron Rome who took a blindside hit to, to uh, Nathan Hart. Is it Harton? Horton, sorry, uh, took, a, took a blindside hit to Nathan Horton, essentially knocking him cold. It's been a lot of talk about it because it violates the newly instituted concussion rules in the NHL. It's got a lot of talk going about getting even tougher rules against concussions in the NHL. For, somehow, this I find this sounding very familiar. Um, it's, it's the NFL route all over again. NHL handed out a four-game suspension for Aaron Rome for that hit. Something that's much bigger than anything that's ever been levied out by the uh, NFL for a concussion. So I, I, I applaud the NHL in their disciplinary actions. Uh, interestingly enough, four games also equals the amount of games remaining in the Stanley Cup Finals. So Aaron Rome will not be playing in the Stanley Cup Finals anymore this year. Uh, Nathan Horton will not be either because of the injury that he sustained. So I think it's a fair punishment. In fact, I think... If you cause a injury with a dirty play such as this, I think heck, let's make the rule that you can't come back. You can't come back and play another game until the person you injured, at least until the person you injured, comes back and plays another game. Let's let's institute that as a as a new rule across all sports. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. No, no, I'm going to stop you right there. I know, I know, you're just trying to spice it up. It, in this instance, okay, it makes sense. Uh, uh, the guy really didn't even hit him from the wrong angle, I guess. Uh, we know in hockey they are trying to eliminate the uh, blind size or, or at least from the back collisions into the boards or, or, or glass. This was out in the open ice. Uh, maybe his, his shoulder uh, hit his head. Uh, it looked like the major collision was when the head hit the ice. So... In this instance, it's fair. If your star, I don't know, defensive end, we'll, we'll say Sean Merriman in this instance, uh, takes out, you know, the second string tight end on, he accidentally rolls his ankle and he's out for the year. Does that mean Sean Merriman has to be out for the year? Or say in baseball, Francisco Liriano peg someone in in the face because hey the, the hand slip it wasn't intentional i did say a legal i did say a legal hit well, okay all right i miss i i, I missed say, that. i did say a legal hit all right then, then i'll stop my diatribe i'll, I'll move on uh <laughs> in, in this sense it, i i don't know if it's an illegal hit like it, Again, I watched the, the, the video multiple times. It looked like the shoulder, just like a football. You hit him in the chest, and it, well, your shoulder's right next to your, you know, your chest is right next to your head. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go up. But most of the impact was, was with the ice, it seemed. So, right. But I think the fact that the impact occurred on the ice the way that it did is indicative of the fact that it was a blindside hit. Because if that, if that, if, if, Horton is skating down the ice, aware that the defender is there. Then that that hit on the ice doesn't occur because he's braced himself for the hit. 
Now, that being said, how do you define what's blindside and what's not? Even if it's in front of him, if he happens to have his eyes turned the other way, is it considered blindside? I don't know. This is at a three-quarters angle. It's not a hit from behind, but the rules don't say a hit from behind. The rules say blindside hit. It's, 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 it's gray. It's definitely gray, I would say. Um, the, the, the talk around the NHL that's going around right now is to remove the word blindside from the rule definition altogether so that the rule is actually just saying a, a, a player who is prone or a player who is um, in a compromised position. And I, I think that if that's the rule as it's written right now, then 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 sure, you you take him out for the entire length of the time that the injury is sustained. I I, I throw that out as a somewhat joking suggestion before, but I think and that's the scenario. Then that's fine. Um, in this particular case, as the rule is written, I think the interpretation of blindside is there. You look at it and you could say, okay, that's a blindside hit. But at the same time, I could also argue that it shouldn't have been because he was at a third, three-quarter view. It was a player that should have been visible to him. He just wasn't looking that way. Yeah, definitely. At that point in time, at that point in time, does it become a bad play for a defensive end to sack a quarterback from behind? Yeah, no. Uh, it, it, it's tough, and we're, and we're seeing this in the N, uh, NFL. And I love the parallel that you used with a, like a wide receiver going across the middle, where it, it, if he is prone, I guess uh, is the terminology, it, and he gets hit weird. You're going to have some problems. You're going to have a suspension. So it, it would be interesting to see a take on this if if the rules committee was looking to implement something like this, where if you knock out a guy based on his position. If he's out, you're out. What would, uh, say, uh, James Harrison think about something like this? So kind of a cool concept. Who cares? Uh, yeah, who cares? <laughs> he would care because I'm assuming it would probably be a suspension without pay. So he would be not getting any of that lovely green stuff that he, he likes. So it, Weed? That too, because you probably need money for that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this works. Maybe he can sign some memorabilia, get some weed. Cool. Sign some memorabilia, get some weed. There's an episode title. Yes. Except, I, 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 you know, it's probably not fair because if you put that on an episode title, the obvious insinuation would be that Terrell Pryor was probably busted for weed. And um, as far as we I might know, get hits. <laughs> we might get hits. It's link bait, baby. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, the last football player that I can remember getting in a lot of trouble for weed <laughs> went in football league. So maybe there's a story there. Maybe Ricky Williams. Busted for weed and you no, Ricky Williams. Right, it's Ricky. He's not playing Canadian football. He was. Was he? Oh, Ricky. Oh yeah, Ricky was because that's why they go to Canada. Don't they got the medical Mary Jane up there? Uh, maybe. They might. They might. But no, yeah, because Ricky Williams had a had uh, after he retired, he was you know it came out that he. Failed another drug test and was banned from the NFL for X amount of time. So he went and played football in Canada. Uh, oh, so Canada! I think it might have been for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders too. I'd have, uh, to, I'd have to do my fact checking there. It might even be the same team that's uh, that's negotiated the exclusive dealing rights for Terrell Pryor. I, I think the Rough Riders are, are the it team uh, up 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 in. 
uh, Canadian Football League. That's, that's the only team. It's easy. It's easy to assume that because there are two of them. What? Oh, <laughs> there are two of them. No, there's Toronto. There's Calgary. I believe there's Vancouver. No, I'm saying there are two Rough Riders. Are there? Yes. That doesn't even make sense. There, there, there used to be two Rough Riders. I gotta, I gotta look it up now. Fake football. Fake. <laughs> The Ottawa Rough Riders and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. No, it, it's definitely the Saskatchewan because they. Oh, I know it is, but I'm just saying it's e- it's easy to assume that they're the it team because there's two of them with that name. No. <laughs> they they should just be the Easy Riders, man. So, uh, are we hitting the end? I think we're I think we're hitting the end. And uh, just to just to be clear, uh, the Ottawa. Rough Riders, Rough Riders is two words. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, it's one word. Hey, guess what? Oh, well, duh. It is totally different. Uh, no. But there are eight teams, so. Ruh-roh. Actually, actually, I'm dealing with old-ass information. Yeah? uh, Ottawa Rough Riders um, have not been around for for several years. Oh, so they became the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Oh, no. There's an episode title. They were both around at the same time. But the Ottawa Rough Riders have not been around for. Okay, it says that there's eight teams, but the fun thing is, is they don't tell you what teams. You like that? (laughs) Oh, we're getting booed off the stage. Well, when we're talking about Canadian football, I think it's fair. It's like the Academy Awards. I know. And I, I'd like to thank my sister and my brother, and. Get off the stage, you dumb twit! Are you going to throw in the obligatory call us, email us, even though nobody does? No. Fair enough. I'm just going to end the show with, get off the stage, you dumb twit. <laughs> I just want to say for the record that I am spending my three-year anniversary recording a podcast with you guys. So if I am not able to record an episode next week, it's because my wife broke my jaw because she's so mean. I said, all right, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure you tune in next week. We will probably not be spending a whole lot of time droning on and on about Canadian, fo- Canadian football and other crappy sports, but uh, we'll find something to talk about, I'm sure.